Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Sorry for no episode yesterday, I was a little busy. I uh, just seemed to like not be able to do Wednesday episodes a lot. But anyway, in today's episode, we're going to have a big episode today. I'm going to be joined by Colin. Uh, we have a new caller uh, today, uh, Ricky the Pirate. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty interesting. Obviously it's uh, a joke, but it, it was still, his questions are actually uh, serious. He just put on a funny accent because, you know, why not? And then yeah. we are going to be breaking down, discussing, and grading the Mike Conley trade and the Tony Snell trade, which no one really seems to know about, but we'll get to those. Then we are going to talk about Al Horford because when I was filming, uh, Recording Tuesday's episode, the news came out, so I didn't add it yet to that episode. I didn't do an episode yesterday, so we're finally going to get to that news today. And then we're going to talk about the Red Sox uh, series against the Minnesota Twins. Maybe we'll preview a little bit of the NBA draft because I did do that 60-pick mock draft last episode, so maybe I'll ask Colin a few questions towards the end of the episode and just kind of discuss that. But tomorrow is going to be big NBA. It's pretty much probably going to be all NBA, uh, NBA draft. So first, we are going to get to Ricky the Pirate's call, so let's get, take a listen. Oh, hi there, matey. I just wanted to call in to tell you or ask you about three things. How does the Raptors winning the championship affect Kawhi Leonard? Do you think he will stay in Toronto or go to the LA Clippers? And also, how do you think Kevin Durant's injury affects him? Will he go to New York, the Lakers, the Golden State Warriors, or any other team? Or Clay Thompson, do you think he will go to the Lakers, the Warriors, or any other team? Just please answer that question for me. Thank you. All right, thank you for the call, Ricky the Pirate. Uh, hopefully you do call back. Uh, it's nice to have an, another new caller. Hopefully you guys call in as well. Again, Anchor Mobile app, type in after the other sports talk, send in a voice message. Also, I found out a way. If you don't can't have the Anchor Mobile app and you've been wanting to call in because I can't even get the Anchor Mobile app myself. I do this on my uh, computer. I found out a way. So you go on Safari, call and explain. All right, you know so I found this. So- so basically, what you do is you go, because I wanted to call into the uh, to the tip off. Yeah. So um, I couldn't because I downloaded the Anchor mobile app and it didn't have the feature on there because I have like the updated version. But I went, so I searched it up on Safari. I searched up the tip off or and you in can this, do, yeah, in this you case can it's after, after the buzzer sports shock, and then you. And then you put anchor after it, and then you look in the top right or top left corner, and you see what what um site it brings you to. Yeah, so it, it the one that says anchor, anchor. Yep. you click on that, and it has like a bunch of features. It says like sponsor this or send in a voice message. And you click send in a voice message, and you can send it in, title it, you know, you know whether it's your name or whatever. And it's a pretty simple process to go through if you can't get it on the Anchor mobile app. So that is the second option. So if you can't get the Anchor mobile app, that's a quick little PSA for you guys, I guess, a little message. So some of you guys who've been wanting to call in and couldn't, uh, most of you, pretty much all of you can now. So hopefully all you right. guys start using that. Obviously, Ricky the Pirate, that's 
That's not a real person. Yeah, it's but not, you can use that too. If you want to just fool around, do an accent, that's fine. Obviously, because some people doesn't doesn't want to like show their voice. Yeah. on on it. But anyway, to answer Ricky the Pirate's question, because they were serious questions, um, the first one was, where will Kawhi go? I've really narrowed the options down to the Clippers and the Raptors. Like he said, I, I think he might visit with the Lakers, you know, might give them a meeting, might give them a chance. I've also heard that he have a little interest in the Kings. I doubt he goes to the Kings or the Lakers, you know. But I really narrowed it down to the Clippers or the Raptors. And really, for me, it's a 50-50 toss-up. This is not my final answer at all, but I am going with the Clippers. Um, You know, for me, it's a really tough decision because, you know, I, I've always thought the Clippers, the Clippers, you know, he's only coming here for one year. You know, his relative, even after they won um, the, I believe it was after they won the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, his sister had like an Instagram live uh, thing and this relative in the background said, they know he ain't coming back or something like that. So I, I just think those types of things, I, I don't, but then at the same time, Kawhi just won in Toronto. Uh, you know, he's a hero there. I think, you know, he's just having a lot of fun lately with Drake and the guys celebrating. So I think that may play an impact as well, but it's close. It's really a 50-50 toss-up. So, you know, for now, I'm going with the Clippers, but that's by far not my final answer. I want a little more insight. Okay, for now, I'm going to – again, yeah, there's not enough information to tell yet. Well, there is, just, but it's, there's it's enough information close. for it's, both sides. But, yeah, it's too it's close. I too want close. some information to tilt um, me one way or another. Well, but for now, he's I'm already explained why – Clippers, but I'm gonna say Raptors for now. I mean, they just won the championship, and what he mostly bases his decision off of is uh, his brand, and he has all of Canada a, yeah, behind him right now. And I think Toronto, after winning the championship, Toronto is one of the biggest places he could be. So I think obviously he, the Clippers might, are bigger though. Yeah. He could have the rivalry rivalry with LeBron and LA. That, that's the only thing. The Clippers the the Raptors are one of the biggest places, but the Clippers are the biggest place. Yeah. And so I don't I don't really know. The Canada fans are really supportive of him right now and I I think that just I'm gonna say like fifty one percent right now Right at this moment, not my final answer, but I say fifty-one percent chance he stays it's so close. in Toronto, and then forty-nine he goes to the um, Clippers. Yeah, it's 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 just really close. Uh, it it kind of depends, like how is he feeling? What is he still basing his decision off of his brand? Because if he is, he's going to LA. Even with the whole Toronto and Canada behind him, I still think it's LA. It's really close, so I don't. I can't give you a final answer there. But for now, the Clippers. Then I believe it, it was Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant were the next two. So we'll just start off with Kevin Durant. I do think he might have said Clay Thompson first. So I'm I not know, sure. I know he said Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. All right. So with KD, I think it's closer than many people think. I I just think with Kyrie, you know, I did hear a report today that if Kevin Durant does not go with Kyrie to the Brooklyn Nets, that they might back away from Kyrie and say, no, we want to keep D'Lo. I'm not really sure, but it doesn't sound like Kyrie is going to the Knicks. It does. I've all the reports you've heard lately is the Nets. You've heard the Lakers. Lakers. I haven't. I haven't heard the Knicks at all. Which, you know, it's a little crazy how they just kind of disappeared like that. So with KD, it's, it's really, it's tough. I don't think he'll go to the Lakers at all. 
I, I think there's a possibility he stays in Golden State. Uh, and I'm not saying he will. I'm not saying this is my answer for now. I'm just saying the odds of him staying in Golden State are much higher of late. It's, I think it's because, because think about it. Sorry to interrupt, but as you know, but anyway, think about it. He's going to be hurt for most of the season next year. So it's not like he's really going to be able to really lead a team, uh, you know, anywhere. If he goes to like the Knicks only play, you know, really towards the end of the season in the playoffs, if they make it, if he goes to the Knicks by himself, are they going to make the playoffs? I don't know. So let's say they draft. Let's say they draft R.J. Barrett tonight. They draft R.J. Barrett. Where were they last year? They were very low in the standings. They were the worst. They were the worst team in the league. Um, yeah. So let's say. All right. Last year. Um. All right. Last year they go seventeen and sixty-five. Worst team in the league. Worst team in the East. Overall, their core right now. That team probably becomes a twenty-one team next year. Plus three wins just because they're a younger team. Maybe they get a little better, but nothing much. You add R.J. Barrett, maybe they're a 25-win team. twenty Yeah, 25-win team, 26-win team. So you add Kevin Durant to that. Well, by the time KD comes back, maybe they're sitting at 19, 20 wins. Like, I don't know. It's just hard to place. If they can get another big-time free agent or a solidly big free agent and add, you know, Wait, make additions how do they go to that from roster. If- you add R.J. Barrett, you get 25 wins. But then if you add Kevin Durant, you get 19. No, because when he comes back, let's say he comes back in, like, March or... Well, actually, if he comes back in March, that would give them about a... Mu- uh, like, I, what would you say? Like, a month and uh, a month and a half before the playoffs start. So that's why I said 19, because the season wasn't fully over yet. So maybe they'd be around, like, 21. I'm not sure, but that's just an estimate. They'd be a low-win team. So by the time KD came back, you know, it's tough. Because he could go back to Golden State, decide to stay there, just pick up his player option, stay there, rehab in the place he's been for the past few years, the place where he's comfortable with, and he could come back on a championship-contending team. Instead, he has to go to New York. And, I mean, he could start a year earlier – but I, it just to me, it's more, it's closer than you think. I think uh, the Clippers are in play, especially if Kawhi doesn't go there. He has that Achilles injury, and nobody comes back the same after an Achilles injury. You've seen it with Kobe. John Wall does not look like he'll be the same. No. Uh, and I wouldn't say some people recover. Obviously, after an Achilles injury, especially at the age Kevin Durant said, he's not going to play at the same level, but he'll still yeah. be a good player. I, it, I mean, yes, you can argue here, He, you know, I, but how, how low do you see him being? I think the Warriors would be the best option because I don't think any other team is – I mean, unless you're as desperate as the Knicks, you're not going to be willing to take that – He's looking for a max contract, and people—I I don't know if you're he's willing to it. take the risk. He's gonna. Some, he, he's gonna get I think the max almost contract. every team that's been interested still will be, because uh, some of these teams are just desperate, like the Knicks. And even if yeah. they aren't, like the Nets, I think if they're gonna get Kyrie, they're gonna go all in. The Nets KD. and Clippers; those are two teams I don't think will have as much interest anymore because. It's just too much of a risk. The are Nets will be- if they get Kyrie. If are they you- get Kyrie, they're going all in. But are TV. you going to pay someone a max contract to sit out here and be decent? Like He'll still be an all-star talent, probably. Maybe not, though. You're, you're too low. Yeah, of course, maybe not. Maybe next year LeBron 
Maybe next year LeBron won't be an all-star. Maybe next year LeBron will tire. Maybe next year Giannis all of a sudden goes down with a career-ending injury. Maybe next year, maybe next year the Phoenix Suns win the championship. Of course, maybe anything can happen. Yeah, but the, the, those have, like, what, a 1% chance of happening? This is, like, a real chance that that happens, though. Not a great one. I, I Just in my opinion. And then Clay, And then Clay Thompson. For me, it's the Warriors. I do think, yeah. though, you have to think a little deeper now that he's on the Space Jam crew. He is? Yep, he's on the Space Jam crew with LeBron, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Chris Paul. Then again, it got it has to make you think a little more. Now that he's on the Space Jam crew, maybe there's a bigger chance he goes to LA. I do believe he is from San Francisco, so and that's where uh, the Golden State Warriors are moving to San Francisco. So that would be it's interesting to think about. Then again, you think like Damian Lillard, he's not going anywhere, so it could just be one of those things. But I do think if he does have fun with those guys, he might really think about it. Um, so I think it's a little closer than you think, but I still got the Warriors. So, wow, that call took up much more of the episode than I thought. And we still have to break down the Mike Conley trade, the Tony Snell trade, talk about Al Horford and the Red Sox. So, yeah, it's going to be a pretty long episode. So now we are going to get to the Mike Conley trade. So let's get to that. All right. So yesterday you guys heard the news. Mike Conley traded to the Utah Jazz. Here was the trade. Uh, the Jazz receiving Mike Conley and the Grizzlies receiving shooting guard Grayson Allen, shooting guard Kyle Korver, forward Jay Crowder, the 23rd pick in the 2020 first-round pick of the Utah Jazz. It is reported, though, Kyle Korver is expected to be waived by the team. But we're going to break down the trade for both sides. So first, I'm going to start with the Utah Jazz. I wrote, for the Jazz, it was clear they were targeting Mike Conley for a while now, and they finally got him. They give up Grayson Allen, who did drop 40 at the end of the season, but then again, Jamal Crawford dropped 51. So basically, Grayson Allen, I mean, he has potential to be a solid pro, but overall, you know, I don't know how much value he has. I'd say he brings a little bit of value to the table. Then there's also, they also give up Kyle Korver, who didn't have an awesome contract and wasn't playing a whole lot anymore, although he was a good leader. And Jay Crowder, who mostly came off the bench, but brings good depth and defense, plus the 23rd pick, which could really be anything. The pick itself doesn't didn't have a ton of value, but it could be a solid player, plus a 2020 first rounder, which will probably be late in the first round, looking at this Jazz squad. Good and necessary trade to take the team to the next level. You can argue they gave up a little too much, but I feel they gave up the right amount. Mike Conley, to me, is a very good fit with the Jazz. I think people think he's like a perfect fit. I think he's a solid fit. People are saying very good. I just said very good fit. Very good or a perfect fit. I'd say he's a solid fit. I do think Donovan Mitchell had to do a little too much in his first two years. And finally, Mike Conley can kind of help him, you know, help him out there a little bit in the backcourt. You know, Ricky Rubio is a nice player, but he's as average as average gets. He's like the definition of average. And, you know, Ricky Rubio is like an all-star uh, caliber point guard. Never Ricky been an all-star. No, I mean, Mike Conley's been like an, he's an all-star caliber point guard. Never been an all-star, but is an all-star caliber point guard and player. And he really takes some of that pressure off Donovan Mitchell. I think it'll help Donovan Mitchell be a little bit fresher for the uh, postseason as well. Uh, this team's really looking legit. I think, you know, they're one more piece away from being a true title contender. I think this is a Western Conference uh, Finals contender. I don't even think they'll win the Western Conference Finals. I think their their expectation is to at least go to the Western Conference Finals or 
you know, f- compete in the second round. That's my expectation. Now, of course, every, every team's expectation is, you know, we're going to go out there and we're going to win the championship. But realistically, I'd say this team has a Western Conference final uh, ceiling and a first-round exit floor. I, I think, you know, they had a guy like uh, Tobias Harris, and some people have said Toby wouldn't be a good fit. And I actually kind of disagree because – Harris and Gobert kind of complement themselves pretty well in that front court. Gobert, you know, Harris isn't great on the defensive end. Gobert is an awesome rim protector, one of the best, if not the best defender in the league. And then Gobert is more of an inside presence that grabs a lot of rebounds. And Harris doesn't grab a lot of rebounds, and he's more of an inside-out player, but he's more of a stretch-the-floor big that can add some shooting there. To round it all out, you got Joe Ingles, that small forward, who who can— Star of the show. Yeah, who can uh, who's solid at everything? Solid at three point shooting. Sol- well, he's he's the best thing is his three point shooting. But then he's he's solid at passing. Believe it or not, people say he's not very good at passing. He actually averaged like five or six assists. Never heard many like people that. talk about Joe Ingles. And then uh, he's solid at mid rangers, solid under the hoop, and solid at defense. So I say Joe Ingles is a perfect piece for the Jazz. <laughs> All right. Um, so overall, I gave the Jazz an A minus on this trade. I think they gave up the perfect amount. Um, you know, obviously, you want to try to give up less than what you should, but I, I think the Grizzlies are were smart enough and knew what uh, what the sale, what the um, right sale was for Mike Conley, and I think they gave up the perfect amount, um, which is fine because I don't think this you were going to fool this Grizzlies team into giving up uh, less than they should, and they didn't give up too much. Uh, and even if they, if you think they gave up too much, by how much? A little bit, like the twenty twenty third first round pick that'll be one of the last picks in the first round was the thing that kind of set this over from perfect amount. Like that's the thing. And I think that this is a great trade for the Grizzlies, uh, the, Grizzlies the jazz. It, it puts them really into contention. It makes them look a lot scarier. And especially this Western conference is wide open. What do you want to say about the jazz here? Yeah. I like how they basically how they did this trade. I give them, are we giving grades yet? Or uh, yeah. You can give them All right. I'm going to give them an A on this trade. People might say that's just a little too yeah, high, I'd say but a um, I'm going to say this is pretty good because the only thing that makes it not an A plus is that Mike Conley slowly on the decline. But he hasn't showed it yeah, yet. I mean, but he will, a little, he yeah, he is. Soon. I think he's 30, 31 yeah. years old. He's a little overpaid. Yeah. That, so, yeah, I, I do see that. Still, I, here's the thing with the Jazz, though. I mean, if they if you say this might put them out of you know free agency contention because you have Mike Conley's contract, you still have Derek Favors on a you know solidly big contract. You're gonna have to pay Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. What are the odds that they were gonna get a big free agent anyway? Like I think they have a shot at Tobias Harris, not a great one. I think they had a very small chance at Kemba Walker. You know, D'Angelo Russell they might have had a shot at, but not a great one. Um, kind of like Tobias Harris. So, again, they had a shot at a free agent, but I don't think it was a great one. You had an awesome shot. You were the front runners to get Mike Conley. You had a strike on this deal. And then they also gave up the right amount of players. Like, to be honest, what was Grayson Allen? I don't – he's not going to end up being someone really – like, 
not anybody with like even fringe all star talent. He no, he'll be, never be an all star. He, he might be someone like solid. Yeah. Kyle Corbin not really doing anything anymore. Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder's little, nice depth, but yeah, a little bit below average. And then twenty third pick and a first rounder. Actually, no, never mind. I was about to say that the first round pick could be good because I thought it was coming from Memphis, but never mind. And the twenty third pick. Actually, could be someone good. So, you basically, one good player for a fringe all-star. I'd say that's pretty good. Okay. Um. Anyway. Uh, for the Grizzlies, I wrote, very good trade for the Grizzlies here. It's a tough pill to swallow giving up Mike Conley, but you had to, you had to trade him for assets, especially due to the fact that they will probably bring John Morant in. The team gets Jay Crowder to either be their starting small forward or to add depth to their wing, or even trade him. Then there's Corver, who will probably wave, but if he isn't, he gives them shooting and leadership, which they need both of. They need a little bit of veteran leadership, and they need some shooting on that team. Then there's Grayson Allen, who's probably not worth a lot, but has potential to be a solid pro. Then there's the two first-rounders. I feel they just about maximized the compensation for Mike Conley. I gave him a B-plus on this trade. Uh, It was a good trade for the Grizzlies. Again, Mike Conley's an all-star caliber player, and you you look at that compensation and kind of say, yeah, you got a nice little assets, but for an all-star caliber player, you you think you could have got a little more. But here's the thing about Mike Conley. He's 30, 31 years old. He's an all-star caliber player, but again, he's never been an all-star. And his contract, he's not worth that money. So that's the thing. Those kind of things decrease his value a little bit. So you're probably saying for an all-star caliber player, but then again, you have to factor in the age, the money, all of those things. And overall, I feel they just about maximize the compensation. Uh, I give the Jazz, or not the Jazz, the Grizzlies an A- minus here. Just because I was You're a think- little higher on this trade than me, but just yeah. a little bit, yeah. I was thinking of giving them an A, and then I went through all, no, everything. Not an I, I was, I don't know what I was saying, but I went through everything in my head, and I was like, it has to be an A minus because they got what they needed. They got what they needed. A couple people who can be in their starting lineup uh, got rid of Mike Conley's massive contract so they can start the rebuild, got rid of a point guard so they can put John Morant in, in starting, and then and then they leave room to sign a max free agent that they could probably use. And then that's they could have got a little bit more out of this trade. I think... So I, I think more people are is, arguing that the Jazz gave up a little too much. I think they should have gave up, like, one more pick or something. Because the thing is... Like a ja- second-round pick? No, like a fir- another first round. No. Yeah, I think so. No. Cause That's too much. I, no, it's not. I think it is. Because uh, Conley, again, not. I think as underrated as he is, he's not worth another first. And I know the Jazz, those are going to be two low first-rounders, but still. First, if you had the 23rd... If you had th- three low first-round picks, like three late first-round picks... That's worth the uh, that's worth a good amount. Three late first round picks. Usually, you hit on at least one of those to be a solid player. So no, I think they gave up. Uh, uh, they the got only a, thing is uh, the players aren't good. I know it, it, that you're not gonna get that much out of Mike Conley. You're just gonna get a nice little asset here, there, and there, and there. And again, 
it's not a bad trade. You get rid of his contract. You, it's John Morant's team now, assuming he gets picked tonight with the second overall pick. And you just get back these nice little assets. It, you did you did the best you could. And you free up a ton of cap space if you want to go out and try to get somebody. It's going to be very hard because you are Memphis. But now all of a sudden you have this extra cap space to sign you know, maybe some little role players here and there if you can't get the big-time free agent, which they probably won't. But maybe even just a, you know, big free agent. You know, a all-star caliber free agent if they'd like. So they have options now. Overall, my analysis, here's what I wrote. Overall, this is a win-win trade. I do feel the Jazz won this trade, uh, you know, a little more. I thought they did a little better on this trade than the Grizzlies. But with that being said, both teams made the right move and are heading in the right direction. So this is a win-win trade with the Jazz benefiting a little more. Uh, so, what do you think? You'd say it's a win-win trade yeah, with the uh, Jazz benefiting a little more as well? Yeah. All right. Uh, also, I want to put in, on Tuesday's mock drafts, so this was a day before the Mike Conley trade happened, I threw this in. I predicted this trade. This was the trade I predicted. The Jazz would receive Mike Conley and point guard Javon Carter, and the Grizzlies would receive Dante Exum, Point guard Dante Exum, shooting guard Kyle Korver, small forward Dabo Saflosha, forward Jay Crowder in the 23rd pick. That's pretty close. I was pretty close on the Mike Conley trade. Uh, I wasn't spot on, but I doubt anyone. I If you predicted this Mike, if you predict any trade spot on, I'm shocked. Unless it's some like one for one trade or like, you know, but when it has multiple parts and pieces and you're not really sure, like a trade like this, if you can predict that, that's pretty good. I think I did pretty good on that trade prediction. So, again, I think it's a win win with the uh, Grizzlies benefiting just a little more. So, uh, what do you guys think? You can call in on the Anchor Mobile app about anything about this you mean trade. The jazz benefiting? Jazz benefiting, yeah. See, that's why Colin's here not to talk, but just to correct me on errors. Um, but now we are going to get to the little uh, Tony Snell trade, so let's get to that. All right, so a few of you might may be sitting here and saying, why are you breaking down the Tony Snell trade? But I felt like this trade was just big enough to talk about. Uh, and, you know, I already had enough on my plate for today's episode, especially with no episode yesterday. This is going to be such a long episode. I'm just adding something that... I really didn't have to, but I felt like, why not talk about this trade? I felt like it was just big enough, and since no one else is going to talk about it, I figured if someone wants to hear some inside analysis, just just come to me. You know, I always got you guys. So, uh, here was the trade. The Bucks received John Luer, uh, power forward John Luer, and the Pistons received shooting guard Tony Snell in the 30th pick. So, here's what I wrote for the Bucks. I wrote... Here, it was clear the Bucks wanted to get rid of Snell's contract, get Snell's contract off the books for the 2020-21 season. I just put a period there, but I don't make those types of errors. But they want to get Snell's contract off for not this season, but the season after that, and just get rid of that like $10.5 million, I think it is. Uh, and I wrote, Snell will be making just a little more than Lure. It And Lure only has one year left on his deal. So basically, Lure, let's, all right. So basically, Snell is making 10.5 mil over the next two years. Lure is making $9 million over the next year. So for this year, you're only saving, I think overall, though, they saved $4 million. So I think I might have got the numbers wrong a little bit there. This year, the Bucks save $4 million, and next year, they're going to save 10 or $11 million, 10 to $11 million next year. So they're going to save some money, a little this year, 
and a good chunk next year by making this trade. Not only did they want Snell's contract gone for the 2020 season, but he was slipping out of their rotation, so this probably was a good thing for Snell anyway. But with that being said, this wasn't a very good trade for the Bucks To pay the price for Snell's contract, they had to give up the 30th pick to take on John Luer's contract, which is only one year compared to Snell's two. And the salaries are very similar, but Snell is better than Luer, I'd say. Obviously, this is a small trade, but I think the Bucks could have done a little better. I gave them a B- minus on this trade. Yes, you got Snell's contract, got the books and the money. But Snell is better than Lure by a little bit, and you gave it the 30th pick. So maybe I should give him like a B there. But overall, I thought they could have got a little more. Like, at least you could have swapped Tony Snell for John Lure because here's the thing. Tony Snell, a little better than John Lure. Contract-wise, now they're kind of even. So I don't know why you had to give it the 30th pick. Here's the thing. The Bucks find a loophole through the Stepien rule. Uh, Bobby Marks, I was pretty sure. Yeah, Bobby Marks tweeted, The Detroit-Milwaukee trade cannot occur until after Milwaukee selects number 30 for Detroit. The holdup is a result of the Stepien rule, which states, Cannot trade a first-round pick in back-to-back years. Milwaukee owns Phoenix owes Phoenix a protected in 2020. I'm pretty sure that's because they are blood so trade. Um, so basically, Milwaukee is going to pick for Detroit. So basically, the Stepien rule is where you can't trade a first-round pick in consecutive years. So you know what the Bucks just said? All right, so Detroit wants his 30th pick to get the deal done. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to keep the pick. Okay, we're going to keep the pick. Detroit's going to tell us who they want picked. We're going to pick that player for them, and then... He's going to be a buck for a hot minute, and then we're going to trade him to Detroit. That's basically what's going to happen. So I like that. So loophole, uh, I hate the I hate the rule. I do see kind of why, because Ted Stepien trades five consecutive you know, first-round picks. That was ridiculous back in the 80s. Um, but I kind of see why you made it. I just hate the rule. There's like <clears> – excuse me. There are just two things that I want to say. Why do the Bucks always trade with, like, make these small trades with the Pistons? It's it's then- a trust thing. You see, the, like the Celtics always talking with the Kings, or just for an example. I yeah. mean, it's a trust thing. You have to remember that these GMs, you know, some of them trust one another. Some of them try to stay away from a team because uh, they don't trust them. That's the thing. It, it, there's a lot of trust. I think that's something that NBA fans need to uh, kind of. Uh, understand a little better is there's these trust things you know if a gm wants to get a deal done sometimes he'll go to a gm he's trusted and you know worked out trades with before so it's just one of those types of things so i'm and, sure uh, there's trust between those two how sides. many uh do you think this could happen one day mm-hmm. um so the stepian rule doesn't allow you to uh trade like this certain pick, so you have to, like, draft someone and then trade them? What if someone drafts a player that the other team doesn't want? That's I knew that question was going to pop up because I talked about it, and I said, what happens? And I wrote, here's what I wrote. Uh, I didn't, actually, I didn't write it here. Never mind. But basically, so say that question one more time. What happens if the Bucks were to pick someone that the Pistons like, the Pistons tell them, oh, we want Play. Taco Fall yeah. or something like that. So, and they pick, and they pick Zach Norvell Jr. Yeah. instead. Um, so, basically, what can happen, Detroit can call the trade off because it, it's not officially done yet. 
So it just it's a mutually because the the trade isn't agreed to yet until after the pick is made, and then both sides will officially agree then. So if the Bucks do that, basically here's what they do. Ready? Here's what the Bucks do. The trade is now off, and they lose trust with the Detroit Pistons. So it's not worth it. Or- and if they do do it, then the trade's off. That's it. Your trade's done. So I, I don't know why you know or, or, you brought yeah. it up in the first place. I know. I was just seeing. Yeah, if that happened, that's what happens. Uh, it's not like all of a sudden the Pistons got you know bamboozled and yeah. Anyway, for the Pistons, I wrote this was a very good trade for the Pistons. It doesn't hurt that they lost Snell's eleven mil on the Bucks in twenty twenty when they could have kept Luer and it would all be gone. It does hurt, I meant. It does hurt that they will have Snell's 11 mil when they could have just kept Lure, and now they have $11 million more on the books, but uh, it's still a nice trade. Snell is a little better than Lure, and Snell fits a team need on their team, while Lure was just a piece on their already loaded front court. The Pistons, they need a point guard. Reggie Jackson is, at this point, below average, and they have really no one backing him up. Ish Smith. They have no wings. Luke Kennard is like their only shooter, and Bruce Brown, come on. Their front court is loaded. They have Thon Maker, uh, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and more. John Luer, they don't need John Luer, and that contract's bad enough, too. They need a player like Tony Snell, and, you know, I hate to say that, but Tony's- they need a wing and they need a shooter. I know you have Luke Kennard, but you need more than just Luke Kennard to shoot the ball. What if Luke Kennard has an off night? You have no one that can shoot. Tony Snell and Thon Maker teaming back up. Yeah. Okay. Um, Snell, though, gives them a shooter on the wing, which outside of Kennard they didn't have, as I just said. Plus, they get the 30th pick, although the Bucks will technically be be picking for them due to the Stepian rule. So basically, yeah, they're just going to tell the um, Bucks who they want to pick. The Bucks will pick them for them. And as if Colin said, if the Bucks don't pick who the Pistons want, the Pistons can just call off the trade. But if all of a sudden the Pistons say, oh, you didn't pick the player we wanted, but that's all right. We'll do it anyway because we like that player anyway, which the odds of that happening were in a million, but whatever. So you can just call the trade off if that uh, happens. But anyway, that's the Tony Snell breakdown there. I know a little trade, but I figured I'd give you guys analysis that we're actually looking forward to. Now we're going to talk a little bit about Al Horford, so let's get to that. All right, so Al Horford, you heard the news. He's not interested in coming back with Boston. Him, this the trade, the um. The talks with him coming back to the Celtics contract talks just totally dropped. He had a $30.1 million player option that he decided to decline. And most people thought, you know, the reports we've heard for the past few weeks is that he would possibly decline his player option to take a pay cut for the Celtics. You know, good, great guy, great team player. And that's what most of us thought. He was just going to decline the team player option, which is crazy because... $30.1 million. Al Horford is not getting that on the market. He's still a solid player, but he's not getting $30.1 million. So we figured he'd decline it, take a pay cut, you know, to take a three-year deal maybe with the Celtics and help the team out a little bit. And it turns out, which I do think was his intention when he declined the player option, but he declined it and then kind of right after that, He's not coming back to the team. And this has to send a message to the Celtics. The Celtics' bid for free agents is going way down. I know it's great to have his contract off the books, but Horford was an important piece. And now all of a sudden you look at it and say, 
You see what they did to Isaiah Thomas. Super unloyal to him. And Anthony Davis's dad called him out on it. You know, Kyrie wanted to leave. Al Horford declined a $30 million player option just to leave the team. So you add all these things up. Lately, guys, things have not been very good in Boston. Terry Rozier went on first take and said things need to change. So you see, there's just been a bad reputation. Some of these players leaving a bad reputation on the Celtics. And for him to decline his $30.1 million option and leave is shocking. Because if he declines it and just take a pay cut for the team, I don't think that hurts his repu- the reputation of the Celtics. But this does. So we could go to the Nets over the Clippers, which I don't think. I don't really see the Clippers just because they have. I, I Actually, I could see them. I just don't think he will go there. You have the Nets, the Mavericks. Um, the, so I heard this report and it said that Al Horford is most interested in the Mavericks right now and the two runners-up. The two runner-ups are the two L.A. teams, the Clippers and the Lakers. The Nets are in there, too. Uh, But the Mavericks, I could really see the Mavericks. I I think he'd be a good fit there. I could really definitely see Al Horford playing for the Dallas Mavericks. The Lakers, I don't want to see him go to the Lakers. No, neither. I don't know about that with LeBron and AD. I, I just don't think that's the player the Lakers should be aiming for because you have that's not the player at all they should be aiming for. They should be aiming for 3 and D wings and guards, especially point guards. You have LeBron, small forward, power forward, Kyle Kuzma, center, Anthony Davis. You need 3 and D wings. You need all these guys with limited cap space. You're not going to go spend all that cap space on a backup center. It's just not, it's not going to happen. Or, you know, a new center so that way Kyle Kuzma goes to the bench. Don't know. It's a horrible idea. The Clippers would make a little sense. I could, you know, I don't want to count him out going there because I said I don't see him going there. And overall, I really don't. But I think there's definitely a chance he goes there. Imagine this starting lineup, though. Shai Gilders-Alexander, Landry Shamit, Kawhi Leonard, Danilo Gallinari, and um, Al Horford. Then Lou Will and Montrez Harrell coming off the bench. Yeah. That would, that would, yeah. That, that'd be... I don't, that'd be a team to look out for. Yes, definitely. And then the Nets. The Nets. The Nets is interesting. Uh, I don't know when it because I know you really like Jared Allen, you know. But I don't. Let's be honest. He's not. He's not, he's not like you can't replace him. No, him but it's it's the other positions that they need. I feel like I feel like they, they need, the Nets don't really need anyone. I feel like they're just they mm. need to they need a little more veteran leadership and need to just keep improving. I feel like they they have solid players everywhere. They need they just have too much solid because Jared Allen is solid. You know, Karis Levert is solid. Um, and their wings could improve a little. I'll say that a Rodion's Karuks. Um, and, you know, you look at, like, Joe Harris, like, yes, they could improve, but overall, I just feel like they have a bunch of solid young players, so there's nothing that they really need to replace, but they definitely, like, could or upgrade, I mean, more than, rather than replace, but Al Horford, it's definitely interesting, I don't count him out returning to the Celtics, because, well, I, although I doubt it, I, I don't count it out, because all of a sudden, maybe, you know, he decides, you know, what happened? Let, let's give this another shot. I doubt it will happen, but it, I'm not going to rule that out just because it just kind of happened really weird. And at least, that's when I especially thought at first, like, whoa, that's really weird. You know, I, 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 just, I just, it was just a lot to comprehend in just a matter of, you know, 
days because all of a sudden it was just like you expect them to just decline this player often, take a pay cut, and then all of a sudden, no, it was the opposite. All of a sudden, they just start trade tight. Not trade talks, contract talks. It's it just, it's really, really weird. So, again, Colin, what are your thoughts on the Al Horford thing? It's a very, very interesting. And uh, now we are going to get to the Red Sox uh, series against the Minnesota Twins. So let's get to that. All right. Well, the Red Sox went two or three against the Twins. The last time we checked up on the Red Sox was after their uh, Father's Day win over the Orioles. Checked up on them Monday. And I said, I, I, oh, oh, hold the bolts on Christian Vasquez. We went five straight against two against the Rangers, two or four against the Rangers, and we we swept the Orioles in Camden Yards. Oh, All right, in Camden Yards. In, ca- in Camden Yards against the Orioles. And we're back now. But I said, no, 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 hold up, because we can't beat a real team. Okay, we we just can't beat a real team. So I said, if you can win this series against the Twins, we can start talking. And they did. It was a good series. You won the first game, which was a pretty good baseball game. The second game was just heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. Rosario stepped out on that bunt. I don't know how, and then he ends up scoring. Well, didn't score, but he ends up basically keeping that inning alive for them. So that was kind of stupid. And then he won the last game, not because Eduardo Rodriguez. Rodriguez pitched 111 pitches in seven innings. I didn't really think he did great. You did all right. It wasn't horrible. But Gibson, that pitcher yesterday, is exhibit A of why the MLB needs a pitch clock. One at bat. 2-2 two, two count. To Xander Bogarts. 58 seconds to pitch the ball. It was a ball. He knew <laughs> it. It took him 58, 58 seconds to pitch the ball. I counted. On a stopwatch, 58 seconds to pitch the ball. You should that is ridiculous. That, that is ridiculous. And I know, That's you know, we, we go into the pitch clock and we're going to hear these players. It's going to take them time to adjust. But if we give you 30 seconds to pitch the ball, do you think that's enough time? Yes. More than enough. It should be. All right, you get the ball. <sighs> take a deep breath. Gather yourself. Take the sign. All right. Look back a runner, if there is one, which there usually isn't. But if there's a runner, you look him back. You get the pitch ready. Zone in. Pitch. I mean, that's... 30 seconds should be enough time. 58 seconds to pitch a baseball. What was he doing? Standing up After we watched a a five-and-a-half-hour game the day before. It was almost six, actually. It was five hours, 45 minutes. After we watch a six-hour baseball game, now we have to wait a minute for this guy to pitch a ball. Never mind, the guy had like five walks. So, you know, this is just the thing. And I know the Players Association, the MLB Players Association, probably never pass this. You say it would be too hard to adjust. Give him 30 seconds to pitch the ball. Hard 30 Is that too much to ask? I don't even care. Something lower than 58 seconds. I mean, obviously, not every guy takes 58 seconds. And that was one of the slower ones. He stepped off the mound, like, twice. But still, still, this is ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not, I don't sit here to wait a minute for This is the thing about baseball. And I know, I've heard a few baseball fans say, well, if you don't like baseball, then don't watch it. You know, there's people that complain that it's too slow. 
Here's the thing, though. Baseball is in deep trouble. They're heading down that line because you say, oh, they don't like it. Well, not enough people do like it. Um, and that's a problem. The MLB needs to make money by fans coming to the stadium and watching on TV, and that's going down. Today's generation, the generation that I live in, doesn't really enjoy watching baseball. I like it. Is it my favorite sport to watch? No. But I do like watching it, sure. I don't have a problem with it. I would like it to be a little quicker, sure. But, I mean, I still watch it. I don't know. But not enough people do. I don't know how many people... At watching at home from their TV was seeing that six-hour game. I mean, if you were at the stadium, you might have stayed for the whole game. But I don't know how many people watching it from TV stayed up for that whole six hours. Fifty-eight seconds. Fifty-eight seconds. And then uh, just one more thing I want to get to: Brock Holt. I mean, this guy—he's he's starting to heat up. But I know I kind of ripped on him one episode, so I'll rip on him again. He's on first base. Okay. And I ripped on his base running. He's the giddy little kid. That was a while ago. A week and a half or so. But he dodges the uh, he dodges the tag, right? Uh rather second baseman, Asadillo. He dodges he dodges the tag. Nice play. Alright? Dodges the tag. We're all good. Chavis hit it right to Asadillo, or whatever his name is. is, And he dodges it, and then he looks back to first. He dodged, He basically dodged the play. I want you to go back and watch. Dodges the baseball, and then watches to see what happened at first. For about a second and a half. Second, I'd say. And then he's like, oh, I gotta run. I gotta run. I... I this is the thing about Brock Holt. You know how I said he got all excited about like his first hit of the, of the season? And he's the giddy little kid and he ran all the way past the stop sign? This was a while ago. Colin wasn't here for that. Some of you may remember. But this time, Brock Holt was like, shoot, I I, I just, I, I dodged the baseball. I dodged the baseball, Colin. Colin, 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 look, look, look. I dodged the baseball. Okay? I dodged it. Look. And he wants to look back like, Ooh, what happens next? And then he forgets. He only did part of the job. So now he's got to try to run over there, and he got out. He got... This guy, big Willie Alcidio, looks like Bartolo Colon. <laughs> throws it over to first. You're already halfway through the baseline. And you couldn't beat out a guy throwing it to first and then them throwing it back. And you couldn't even beat that out. That just annoyed me. I don't know. Brock Holt and this base running, just it isn't meshing well. But Red Sox picking up the pace. You're 41 and 35. You're catching up in the standings. You beat a legit team. Six you're only you're only back. three games back of the Rays, six and a half of the Yankees. The Twins are 48 and 25. So they're a good team. They're better than the Yankees are right now. One of the best teams in baseball. I know they, to me, they are a bit of a fluke. Like, they're still a very good team, but they're a bit of a fluky team. Like, I don't really consider them a .658 team. Like, that's their winning percentage. I consider them this season a little lower than that, just because I do think they're a little, it's a, it's slight, a slight fluke. I do think they're very good, and they deserve it, but... I consider them like they're forty-eight and twenty-five, and I consider them more of like a forty-four win team. Are they the best I think team in the league right now? One of them. I, I think they might be. I think yeah, I think they are. Oh no, no the Dodgers. The Dodgers. The Dodgers. 
Best team in the AL. Best team in the AL. Although I consider the Astros and the Yankees better. Bigger of a threat. That's a legit team that you beat. You beat two out of three. It was a good series. They played solid. I don't think it was their best series, but they played solid. Next, you have the Blue Jays. Then the White Sox. So those are six games where you should win, you know, four or five of them. Yeah. I mean, you need to win five. You need to win five because, um... You just you just need to because at this point um five and sweep the blue jays. Yeah, I'd say yeah. Yeah. I mean you're probably gonna win four or five here. Um because you need to just catch up in the standings. Uh the White Sox though are thirty five and thirty seven. So they're starting to uh, cool down. Well they're six and four in the last ten, but they were a little better the last time you faced them. So we'll see how it goes for the Red Sox. And then you got the Yankees, which is the one that you gotta circle. Win five in the next six, or at least four. You know, I, you know, I want to say five, but that, I feel like that's a bit too much to ask, even though these teams are a joke. But play good baseball and get even closer to the Yankees, and then go out there and we'll start talking. When if they win all six, that would be that would be cool. awesome. That would be awesome. It's not going to happen because we're the Red Sox this year, and even though we can only beat good team, uh, bad teams, we're still the Red Sox. So we'll, we'll see. Well, we beat the Twins. So. Yeah, true. All right, so we'll see what happens with the Red Sox again. Calling on the Anchor Mobile app. Type in after the buzzer sports talk. Send in a voice message or use Safari. Type in after the buzzer sports talk. Uh, by Aiden Mayer or Anchor by Aiden Mayer on Anchor or something. Along those lines, you should find it in the top left of, you know, where you can kind of click on it. You'll see Anchor. Click on that, and you can send in a voice message. You'll, you'll click, like, start recording. You record your message. I think you have up to a minute. Uh, but feel free if you want to talk for over a minute. Uh, you know, obviously, I don't want you sitting here and making your own episode, like, talking for, like, 25, 30 minutes. But if you need, like, a little over a minute, go ahead and make two voice messages and just leave off where you, you know, left off. You start where you left off on the second voice message. I can put both those in there. It's fine. Uh, So, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you next time.